Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. This episode contains spoilers from The Shadow and Bone Trilogy, Six of Crows, and Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo, and A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. Hello, Tatiana. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I saw that your boyfriend went to Universal and got you all these fun things. Tell us about all the fun things you got. Yeah, I did get some really cool stuff. Um, he got me a mug. If you guys follow me on my Instagram, you'll see that I have another Harry Potter mug that I really like. And so he got me another one to go with it. I got two wands and I got a Ravenclaw pin. I'm starting a pin collection. So he got me a Ravenclaw pin and he got me the time turner and it like actually turns. It's so cool. So if you follow me, it will be featured in quite literally every photo from now on. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. What have you bought this week? Anything booky? bookish so so much like I I need to go on a book buying ban because I have zero self-control like there's worse (laughs) things I could be spending my money on absolutely um but I guess some of the top ones that I'm the most excited about Julie Kagawa you had mentioned one of her books as a um, obscure book recommendation it's not that series it's a different series it's yeah talent series yeah it's about dragons if you know anything about me if you've listened to anything or seen any of our posts i'm obsessed with dragons like yeah. i love dragons so i'm very excited about this series so i got that series and then i got love and ruin it's by paula mclean she's the author of the paris wife and i have all of her other books i haven't read them yet her book covers are so pretty and then um the tiger and the wolf by adrian tchaikovsky three book series and I guess it's really good so got the whole thing of course I got I got the whole series I got all three (laughs) yeah yeah you know that's who I am as a person and then the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo oh yeah I've heard really good things about that yeah it was on so it was at Barnes and Noble buy one get one half off so yeah had to buy it obviously and then the other one that I got from Barnes and Noble was the power it's about witches so there you go so yeah, lots of books. And those are only like a few of them that I bought this wow. week. So um, Kirsten's quite yeah. the book buyer. <laughs> uh, it's bad. It's so bad. She's like I very need... new to this uh, book interwebs world. I think when you first start, it's like, okay, we have to buy everything, just all of them. Yep. Uh, yeah, it gets a little bit dangerous, I think, right at the beginning. So yeah, welcome to the uh, welcome to the book world. <laughs> yeah definitely it's been uh, again it does not help that I literally live across the street from the half price books so I can just walk there and buy books whenever yeah. I please it's very dangerous <laughs> okay. we, bookish things. yeah we totally support that speaking of bookish things have you gotten anything fun and bookish this week I got a couple of things I was excited about what'd you get yeah for sure I got some Bookmarks is what they are. That's the word I was looking for. Bookmarks from stacking pages uh, using your code. Wonderful bookmarks. I got um, the little Polaroid ones. So I got Bilbo Baggins. I got Doctor Strange. I got, oh, I got the Bell one. And then there's another one that I got and I can't remember what it is, but um, I got, I think I got four. I can't remember what the last one is, but. Just hasn't opened them yet because in true bookstagram fashion, she has to do a video reveal of them. You know, I'm an influencer now. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, that's fun. What about you? What'd you uh, get? I got, I got some stuff from Second Pages too. She just did her friend's launch and another Marvel launch. So I got Joey Chandler, Derek Shepard from Grey's Anatomy, the Polaroid ones. McSteamy. I got Dr. Strange. Yeah. No, McDreamy. He's not McSteamy. He's McDreamy. Yeah, yeah. McSteamy. Yeah, Sorry. he's McDreamy. He's McDreamy, not McSteamy. <laughs> Oh, I got Peter from To All the Boys I Love, All the Boys I Love, whatever that one is. So I got a lot. I bought like six or seven. Uh, and then I got some of the WandaVision ones and Thor. So I got quite a few from oh, her. I love WandaVision. Oh, the, and hers are so cute. They're like one from every decade. So if you haven't looked at hers, check those out because they're adorable. Uh, I also just got my first Fable Grounds coffee order in. I like went for it and I pre-ordered one of their mugs, but it's not here until June. So I'm really sad about that. But I did get their coffee and I brewed it this morning and it's quite possibly the smoothest cup of coffee I've ever drank. And I'm not a rep for them, but 
it's pretty fabulous and it was so good and then I also got my bookish box box the bookish box box I don't know we'll keep going with that that one for March just came in it came in a little bit late so I just got that one in and it was crime and passion so I got like a puzzle book light some jewelry a candle I can't remember what else is in it if we're being honest but a bunch of spoilers for the bookish box if you have if you got yours for March for the YA bookish box and I think that was all that I got this week as far as bookish goodies go there's a possibility I got more things and I can't think of them <laughs> you were like what books did you buy and I was like all of them I bought all of the books yeah and I just pick a few and I'm like ah, so many <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm bad like I used to buy a lot of books when I first started bookstagram or like rented a lot from the library and I feel like my pile of like had to be read or returned was so big and now I'm just into the bookish merch buying phase of all of this so now I have like many a box and I keep thinking about how I need to sign up for Alcrate and Fairy Loot and like every bookish box that I can possibly get my hands on, on top of like also buying 14 more bookmarks each month. So it's bad. It's dangerous. I'm a rep for stacking pages, but I also, we get our rep packages every month, but then I also buy like six extra bookmarks on top of that and um, have all of the Marvel ones, every single one. And if you know, there's like 12, but yeah, it's quite the obsession. Anyways, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about Six of Crows this week um, and Crooked Kingdom, actually. And then we're kind of going to talk about those, talk about our theories for the show, just because um, the timeline in the show and the timeline in the books is a little different. So um, what we think is going to happen. Very excited. I have literally, not going to lie, I literally finished Crooked Kingdom probably an hour before yeah we're recording this episode this is still reeling from the end of crooked kingdom so this is gonna be an emotional episode very i was like texting her and i was like i'm crying again i mean it's just me but it's fine i always cry yeah kirsten's a big book crier and it was like 3 p.m and i just get a random message from her saying i'm crying and i was like oh matthias yeah i know (laughs) oh that was good that was perfect i like that yep Yes, yeah, this it was, was this was a fun rough. book. I really liked these. I did actually, I finished these at the beginning of March. So it's been a little bit, I've read a couple of books in between. So it's not fresh for me, but I also don't cry in books. And it was like emotional, but I was like, oh yeah, what a bummer. Definitely like, mm. but like, I, I could just imagine Kirsten crying. She might cry this crying. episode. I was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like why? I, we'll get into it. Well, we're yeah, so spoilers guess- early on. <laughs> We're, we're going to spoil some things. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we can start with uh, kind of a brief overview of what the books are. So these are set two years after everything happens in Shadow, the Shadow and Bone trilogy. So in the books, it's set two years after. So basically for Six of Crows, it says Ketterdam, a bustling hub of international trade where anything can be had for the right price. And no one knows the better that better than criminal prodigy Kaz Brecker. Kaz is offered a chance at a deadly heist that could make him rich beyond his wildest dreams, but he can't pull it off alone. A convict with a thirst for revenge, a sharpshooter who can't walk away from a wager, a runaway with a privileged past, a spy known as the Wraith, a heartrender using her magic to survive the slums, a thief with a gift for unlikely escapes. Kaz's crew are the only ones who might stand between the world and destruction if they don't kill each other first. So go ahead, Todd. You, I, yeah. I remember like, you were like, you need to read these books and you were like so excited for me to read these books. So I know you're itching to, I have, to, to get into this conversation. I have some thoughts and feelings. So I read these in order. I did Shadow and Bones, Siege and Storm, Ruin and Rising, Six of Crows, Crooked Kingdom, which is what you did. I don't think you read any other books in between. So we both kind of read them like back to back to back. and the beginning of this book is a little bit slow and I was like, Oh, here we go. We're in, we're in for the long haul. We're going to get another one of those. And then it really picked up for me. And I, I just, I don't know. I just love the different point of views of this book. I like the way that it sort of follows like uh, the entire cast is kind of morally great cast. I guess all the characters are like morally great. It's not a good guy versus a bad guy, you know? And I thought the beginning was really good. That first chapter is really good, but the actual plot is so slow at the first, I would say like 50 pages before anything happens. So that to me was a little bit frustrating. I was like, I read the first couple pages and I was like, this is gonna be good. And I had heard a lot about how good it was gonna be. So I had really high hopes and it lived up to that the further we got along. And I think the character development is really good. I think the change in characters is really great. I love, you know, how Kaz stays so true to himself as like 
and I don't know the right word, but like as an individualist and the fact that he has like, you know, so many afflictions, like not only in having the cane and like his physical ones, but in his like mental issues and the things that he has. And I felt like that was so raw and true. And I know when she, she has said, like when she wrote this book, she was going through her own kind of struggles. And I really like that when an author is so open about those kinds of things and like shares that information and is just like really true in the struggles that they're going through and the struggles that like the characters are going through. So I really liked that. Um, I think Inez is like such a wonderfully written character. I like that she's so diverse and fun. And also, you know, she is that like badass main character, female energy that we all like want. So I really like her and um, Jesper. So like Jesper is my favorite character. We'll go into like our favorites. And I think he was amazing. And I know Kirsten's favorite character is Nina, which I'm sorry, I'm spoiling that for you. Nina's amazing. I thought I love She is that. my spirit animal. Yeah. I love her. I'm obsessed <laughs> with her. Like she is everything. I that's that's all I have to say on yeah. that right now. Yeah, I liked her. I liked Matthias. I think like we did the Serpent and Dove episode. I think Nina and Matthias's characters are it's a common trope, but it's an uncommon trope that like enemies lovers, but with a like witty banter. And I thought she was so funny and sarcastic and, um, yeah, Matthias, Matthias. I don't know how to say his name. I never know how to say any of these characters names, but I really loved him. And I thought he was like a really good brooding element to it. And Wylan is just like so funny and quirky. And I just, I liked the diversity in the book. I liked that it was so smooth the way that she did everything. And it didn't feel like it was like in your face about some of these issues and like, you know, the physical ailments and stuff of Kaz. Like I like that she wrote about disabilities, but it wasn't just like the forefront of his entire character and his like, you know, obviously his mental issues with like his brother and stuff. And I like that wasn't at the forefront. I do wish that like their backstory came in a little bit sooner. I think for me, that was like the, my biggest critique. It would, took so long for you to learn like what was going on with Kaz, what happened with Inej, where did these people come from? How did they end up here? You know, you were at the end of the book when you just found out like why Jesper was a crow, you know, like it was like page 327. It's like, oh, because he has gambling debt, you know? So I think that was the one thing that I didn't like about this is it took so long to kind of get a backstory about everything that was going on. I was so confused for a majority of it, but like the story is so funny. It's so action-packed. She did such a good job with like the multi-character point of views. And I think that like, it, it didn't feel so magical. It was very like fantasy, obviously in the world setting, but I kind of liked that it wasn't all about the, the Grisha and it wasn't all about, you know, the like magical elements of it. It was really just like a heist and it felt very like oceans to me, like oceans, 11, 10, 12, however many there are. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with that. I liked that the primary focus, I mean, there were Grisha and it, I feel like they become more of a component to the story in Crooked Kingdom. I like that they weren't the primary focus. Like, and it, it was so crazy because I remember like reading through it and it, same with the first one. So with Six of Crows, it starts off a little slow, but it's one of those things too, is like, you really have to think about it. It's really setting the stage for the entire duology. It's like, yeah. usually the first book or the first half of the first book or whatever is setting the stage for the rest of the series, especially if it's going to be a series that's longer one aspect that I, I, I obviously there was like great humor and there was great banter not only not just from like one character but from like multiple characters and yeah. kind of how their arcs moved and changed and and I I was reading this and Nina and Matthias Matthias screamed blue and read energy to me yeah like, yeah so you see what one thousand percent yeah when you were talking about that I was like I don't know who yeah. these people are but now like reading it like Matthias is like him and Reed could be brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I loved it. I loved the story. I thought it was very interesting how she had all these moments of action and like stealth and wonderful like plans and things and like danger and all these things going on. And then she would have this one moment where she reminded you that these were kids, that these were not like adults that were doing this or, you know, seasoned people or you know older people that were doing this it, they were children I mean and as just 16 like she's they're all babies like they're all under 18 and it's just like she would have these moments just like showing their kids just trying to find their way in the world and it was just I thought that was so well done and how she held true to their characters but then she also had those moments of they're still children like yeah, they're yeah. still trying to figure out this world and I think but, the, yeah I think that's like the way that they do really play true to that they're like young adults and that I like when they do that like 
I know we read a lot of young adult fantasy and think like these guys act like they're like 20 or 25 or 30. Like this one, I truly felt like you were like, okay, they're 16 and 17. They've been dealt a, a rough hand. Obviously they're, most of them are like orphans essentially, or what have you. But I think, yeah, she stayed really true to that like age factor where it was like, yeah, they've lived a rough life as like criminals, but they're still, they're not like doing all these wild things and acting that way. And their emotions are still like very immature and young. And I like that a lot. I agree. I think there was a lot of things that really showed in the way that it wasn't like super smutty. Like I like that in there. And it's the same way in Shadow and Bone. I think it's very PG uh, in both of them. And so I, I like that. I think it stays true to that like young adult in, but it's also very mature in their like characters and the way that they act and the things that they did is very mature, but it's, it's mature in, in a different way. So I, I like that a lot too. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I like funny because you'll see all these people on like TikTok or wherever talking about these young adult novels and they're like, I wish it was more spicy. And I'm like, you have to realize who these books are actually meant to be read by. Like, not that we aren't meant to read them, but it's just like, you know, who these books are geared towards and yeah, your target audience is of- not 27. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's, I've seen a lot of like videos and a lot of information like coming in from BookTok and Bookstagram of creating kind of that new adult genre that has maybe a little bit more spice, but it's not the young adult where it's like these books, Six of Crows and, you know, Shadow of Bone. And I think I do like that that's kind of something that people are talking about and bringing to light to publishers because I feel like there are some books that probably kids probably shouldn't read or shouldn't be exposed to at like certain ages or whatever you know but that aside I felt like she did it very tastefully like everything was very done very tastefully in these books like like you said there wasn't any like crazy smutty scenes or anything like that and kids I mean they talked about basically brothels and stuff like that but it wasn't I don't know how to say it was it felt like, like very realistic to even their age yeah but, you know I, she I mean she brings to light a lot of like issues obviously like yeah young kids in brothels and human trafficking and all that kind of stuff but it still felt like she wrote out the non-pg parts and I liked that and it, it still was like a dynamic enough novel and like a, and a good enough duology that there was things happening that you didn't feel like you were reading something that was made for 15 year olds. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's, I exactly. think is a really good author. And I think that's a really good way to like, look at the new adult kind of genre. But these, I think, I mean, these were written a couple of years ago. It's not like they, these are, she did this, I think before the wave of 30 year olds reading children's novels. <laughs> she was like very fine. she was still in this genre like I think she was fine in the way that it no, was like young adult yeah I think she did it I think she did it wonderfully like if I if I were 16 or 17 and I picked up yeah. these books I would have like not that I didn't love them now but like I would have definitely been 100% yeah like really happy like, with them yeah I would have been very happy with them and so yeah I think she did I think they're great I mean they're good right I, <laughs> Yeah, was very hesitant last episode I posted I posted a TikTok and I was like if this book I was like holding up six of crows and I was like I'm about to read six of crows and if this book is anything like shadow and bone I'm gonna rage because yeah. I just there was so much talk of like shadow and bone and I think obviously part of it coming from the show and kind of going back from like last week we were talking about how when we were reading shadow and bone we felt like she was kind of growing as a writer yeah and I think she really hit her stride when she started writing these yeah books. and I think a lot of I mean we said this before but I think a lot of the reason why there's a Netflix adaptation is the fandom behind six of crows I think it re- and you can't do six of crows without crooked kingdom I think the the Grisha Grisha verse is not like complete without it so I understand that and I I think like we were saying I think what's going to happen is the changes that she would have made had she gone back and you know done a novella or something like that afterwards I think those are going to be the changes that are going to be in the show. I think, yeah. you know, I kind of said that in the, like we said in the last episode, but I hope in this show, it's going to explain more about like why the Darkling is the way that he is. And also I've heard a rumor that Mal might not be so bad. So we'll see. I still don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. I definitely think that a lot of it has to do with the fandom behind like Six of Crows and the universe there, but let's go maybe into who's your favorite character. Uh, Nina. Yeah, duh. Hands down, 1,000%. I mean, uh, she is quite literally my spirit animal. I love her. Her answer to everything is like food waffles and just like being a bit vulgar and just like having a laugh and just her whole personality is just like enjoying life. Even even with the hand that she has been dealt, like she still finds a way to find joy in life. And even with all the crap that she goes through in six of crochet they're trying to kidnap this guy or 
rescue this guy from the ice court. He created, what is it, Jerda Param, I think is how you yeah, say it. Some, some sort of and, and it's this drug that amplifies Grisha power to the point of them basically being unstoppable. But then they get addicted very quickly and then they just like wither away. It's like very bad for Grisha, very bad for the world. And so their job is to kidnap this guy to leave the world. And at the end of Six of Crows, um, Nina takes this drug to basically get them out of this situation. And then she's like, okay, well, now I have to deal with the withdrawals of like being addicted to this drug. Like if she takes it once, they, they're not sure how how she would be. But if she takes it twice, like she would full on be addicted and would never recover and just wither away. The end of the book is obviously her taking that. The beginning of the second book is her dealing with that addiction. And it was so crazy because I was like reading it. She's like going through all this and then she's finding her new power because it alters her power and she can control the dead, which I, (laughs) my immediate thought went straight to the princess bride with Magic Max. And he's like, he's not all dead. He's just mostly dead. So Nina's not all dead. She's just mostly dead. She can, you know, control the dead now. And so it was just like immediately that's where my mind went was like princess bride. That whole process of her going through that was just so like heartbreaking. Her having to deal with that and then them having to depend on her. And all of them really were going through situations of just like terrible loss because of everything that had happened. You know, obviously Inej got kidnapped and Kaz doesn't know how to live his life without his wraith. And Jesper's having to deal with, you know, his dad and Wyland is another person also having to deal with his dad yeah. also having to deal with his dad and has a completely new face yeah it's just the, the all of them are dealing with a lot of stuff and obviously Matthias was going against his country but I feel like Nina was just I felt so bad for her because she's like in the throes of coming through an addiction and then she's like oh I can control the dead now yeah. <laughs> so it was just a major plot twist when that yeah. whole situation happened and like Inez was falling and I was like oh she gone there is no net and then Nina's like dead people hold the net and then Inez is fine and I was like that did not see that coming did not see yeah. that coming at all I you <laughs> but, haven't read Akasif yet but there's a scene in there that's very similar and I was like oh okay this is creepy. And the way that it's written in that one is really creepy. And it was equally as creepy written in this one. I was like, what a weird way to do that. Like, it felt so good for her character. Cause like, she's so strong and you know, she was like, I'm going to like embrace this, but yeah, I don't know. I did not see that coming. Like yeah, I yeah, kind of yeah. had an idea there was going to be in that whole moment when she like first brings on the zombies. I thought, I thought it was going to go a different direction because earlier she showed her like new power basically she like brought shards of bone into this cafe yeah i didn't read that part very well because i was so confused i was like what's going on here she's like figuring out that she has this kind of cold it's described as like a cold river that's like running through her and she's tapping into that now and kind of figuring that out and i thought what was going to happen was that she was just going to like break all their bones and they were going to yeah, I just thought her power was going to be like stronger. I didn't think that she was going to be able yeah, to. Yeah, and then she straight up brought the dead back. And I was like, oh, that's not where I saw this going. When Matthias. I really thought she was going to bring him back to life. She did. He I wasn't was gonna be alive forever. Like, he wasn't alive. It was just so heartbreaking. I was just like tears. And Ned's just like, you have to let him go. And she's like, I can't. And I'm like, ah! Kirsten like, also can't let him go? <laughs> no. That was the one thing in the Crooked Kingdom. I was like, his death was so pointless. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Nina and Matthias could have gone on the boat and gone to Ravka. Yeah. There would have been no, I don't think it would have, I didn't think it added anything to the story, but it might later on. So maybe I'll eat my words. Honestly, if you're going to kill him off, you freaking kill him off. Like he goes out guns blazing in a blaze of gore. I didn't like how she, if you're going to kill someone off like that, kill him off right. In a nice battle against all his other like ice yeah. court warriors. Yeah. I think I've heard that uh, in King of Scars, she is one of the point of views. It's her Zoya and Nikolai. I think that's all that's in it. And maybe an, maybe an edge. I can't remember, but I've heard that her scenes are really depressing and like sad and she's really sad. From like her perspective so I don't know if that maybe brings her character development I think it felt too cookie cutter I think for her for like Lee as an author to not kill anybody off and they say that like line at the end where she's like I thought we were all gonna survive and I was like oh man I know I was like that one almost <laughs> made me cry 
Uh, just when Mylon said that, I was like, no, like I have little tabs. So I like yeah. started tabbing my book and blue is sad. And there were so many blue tabs at the end of Crooked Kingdom. And I was just like, tears and sad. Why? I understand if she's a part of the next book, that makes sense. And maybe that's a part of her like complete development and becoming kind of this queen of the dead or queen of the shadows. But it's also just, it makes me sad. He, he deserved a better death. Yeah, he was the most nonchalant character, so I guess that makes sense as to, like, why they killed him off, but I, I was, that was such a strange way to do it. I was a little bummed about that, I'm not gonna lie. I, I thought about it for more than a second, but I definitely didn't cry. I don't cry in books. Hardly ever. Cried in, like, one ever. But yeah, no, Nina's, Nina's a great character, and I, I like her and Matthias. I think them as a couple is amazing, but they are not my favorite couple, and they are not my favorite characters. But I will let you live in his like, sad death and glory. <laughs> who is your favorite character then we'll go into your favorite character yeah obviously you said it earlier jesper yeah. which i also love jesper he's amazing jesper's my favorite i can't remember if when i read the books i knew what the actor was or not but like the way she describes him is just so funny and quirky and i i just loved his story of being like this down-home farmer boy who like came to the city to get a degree and then as it turns out he's like a gambling problem which isn't great but i i like related to him so heavily and that he has this addictive personality, which I also have that. And I was just so shocked at the end of Six of Crows to find out that he was a Grisha. I was like, wow, that is amazing. And he's just a so suave and fun. And I just, I don't know. I just really liked the way that he was so panicky, but also nonchalant. Didn't care about a lot of things, but also secretly was panicking. And at all times, <laughs> at all times. And I just, I don't know. I really liked his character. I thought he was really fun. And he was so interesting and I, I loved him and Waylon's relationship and it's just Wylan. I don't know his name. I'm really bad with the, the names, but it was just, oh, it so was much. so cute and like wholesome. And he just like, doesn't know what he's doing with his life. And he was just so like lost and everything. And I liked that he looked up to Kaz, but also realized that like Kaz is human and could make mistakes. And it was, I don't know. I just like him so much. I don't know why. <laughs> He's no, so fun. Like and... He's a warm character. He's an yeah. easily, he's definitely a character that's easy to like just because like his demeanor, easy to like, and he's easy to forgive. I feel like he was one of those characters that was easily redeemable. You know what I mean? And he was funny. Also him and Wylan are just, they're so precious. So I love their oh. freaking cute. I love we... them so much. We polled the, our audience uh, for you guys that are listening probably and asked them who your guys' favorite character was and an overwhelming number of you said Inej, which I <laughs> I like her a lot, but I definitely would not have been like, wow, my favorite character. So a, couple, a lot of people said Inej and then next up after that was Jesper and then Nina and only one person said Kaz. So I thought that was really surprising. I mean, Kaz is so small. Um, like Freddie is a good actor and he's gonna be really good Kaz, but yeah, Kaz's character is a bit odd. Kaz your, yeah, bothers me. Thoughts on Kaz. Sorry. Does he? <laughs> I, Creeps me out a little bit. I loved his story. I remember reading the part about him and his brother getting swindled and thought about it for like chapter after chapter. Like, wow, that must have been awful. Like as a kid to experience that, that must have been awful. Like going through all that, living through it. And then also like his brother dying his story is so like powerful. I think and she did such a good job writing that out and making you like feel what he was feeling and how scared he was and you know, the vengeance he wanted and who he became. And I was like, what a savage character, right? Like, I don't know. Kaz is, Kaz like gives me the chills. Like he like creeps me out and he was good. He was really good, but he's not like a, a he's not like one I'm rooting for. It's so funny because there's like so many people who are like Kaz is, you know, on par with like the Darkling as far as like everyone's love for that yeah. really great character. And I'm like, I love, Kaz. Mm-hmm. I love the Darkling. I don't love Kaz. I'm going to throw that out there. And people are probably going to riot for that. And Ugh. I understand, like, and I get it. I like what? you said his story and everything. I am not a Kaz. I'm not wow. a Kaz stan. I'm wow. Saying. Like, I'm just not. You I don't like- know why. Like- no, 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 no. I, I would say it's because of how he treats Inej. I would say that. And I know yeah. he's got that mm. troubled past and it's a hot mess and everything like that. But how he treats her and the way that he speaks to her, like she walks away from him and she's like, what future would we have? Touching through clothes, you not taking off your gloves, never wanting to touch I'll have me, never wanting to all of you all without your armor, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I yes. At all. Oof. Yes, yeah. queen. And I'm yes. Like, yes. That right there. And I think yeah. obviously that's the major moment when he's realizing like, oh, I need the wraith, but she doesn't need me. I, oh. I think that was the big thing for me was just how he, how he spoke to Inej. And obviously with his character arc, that changed by like the last part of the, of Crooked Kingdom. 
I liked Crooked Kingdom better than Six of Crows. Side note, I liked Crooked Kingdom was my favorite. I think I liked that Six of Crows ended and Crooked Kingdom picked up straight after that. Like that was so good. I really liked that. Uh, That steamy scene in the bathroom where he like touches her. I was like, okay, this is good. (laughs) And he just like freaks out as cold again. He's so cold. I get it. Like trauma, Kirsten. Trauma. You will not do well with Akatar. The whole series. You won't do well with it. If this is your thoughts, I'm gonna say it now. Spoilers for Akatar. You won't do well. Yeah, I think that when you get to a, a book and you, you think about it and you're like, okay, why won't you just do this? You know, like you're like, communicate or don't be weird or grow up. You know, it gets really frustrating. But I don't know, man. I like felt for Kaz. I was like, what a creepy life you've lived. <laughs> <laughs> he's savage. Like you said, he's, I wouldn't call him a creep. He's so just... suave and like, I loved his character. He's so savage. I, okay, I did like him, but I would say he's not, he would, he's Definitely not my, my favorite, favorite crow. Definitely he's not. not like not even close uh, no like, definitely not nope. i mean it's, he's nobody it's a one person's favorite so sorry whoever said that <laughs> oh, like... tiffany sorry <laughs> tiffany she said Kaz or jesper so <laughs> i'm going jesper on we're gonna one. say jesper because we all love jesper she said or jesper oh i'm just kidding i i really like his character but he's not my favorite i really like jesper i don't hate him because of what he did to Inej. i thought it was like so wholesome and cute and i liked when she was like yes queen i will have you with no armor or nothing at all and I thought that was good because it really did show she did such a great job with these characters. They stayed so true to who they were throughout the entire book. I like that they all stayed so true to their character, true to themselves, and they didn't change for their significant other, whomever it was. Same with Nina, same with Jesper, same with um, Wylan and all of that. Like they were sad and awkward and insecure throughout the whole thing with each other the whole time. And I thought that was so cool. And I like this book too, because it's not just romance like I know that they all pair off but I like the found family trope and I think that it was such a fun like interesting dynamic between all of them and the way that she kind of developed those characters and that Jesper was like yeah I would die for Nej absolutely Kaz you're an idiot and you don't get to treat her that way you know so I liked that a lot I don't know what it was about Kaz I just didn't like not only how he treated Inej but everyone and I understand he's got to kind of be like a savage cold-hearted jerk but like this is your found family like don't he like, didn't open up enough for, for me, I think. No, I think, I don't, I don't think he did either. And, and I mean, he did eventually like throughout, but it was only really to an edge. And that was kind of what bothered me too, is like, yeah. Jesper was trying so hard to make amends for like any kind of mistakes that he had made. And that was also really frustrating because Jesper was made a mistake and obviously like it had dire consequences, but Kaz also made really bad mistakes and literally all of them almost died. Yeah. He did so, bad things. But no one made him feel bad for it. He was just being very hypocritical in certain yeah. moments. I, I liked that Kaz was so deceptive about things and that she kind of made him that background narrator. Like he didn't, he wasn't telling you everything that was happening, but like he obviously knew everything that was going on. So I did like that he was that, I don't know, kind of behind the scenes person or if yeah. we were listening to like the voiceover, he would have been the he's voiceover. The puppeteer. If that makes like, sense. He's yeah. literally just the puppeteer. And he, I, I liked that, but some of the plot tests were wild. What were your like top five favorite scenes then? Let's go with that. Oh goodness. I know. Sorry to put you on the spot. I know. I would say obviously the scene where, where even though it's heartbreaking where Wyland like finds his mom yeah. and he realizes that she's alive. Uh, so his dad told her that she died. Actually, she, he put her in a, in an insane asylum and basically hit her away and it took her fortune because he told, said that she was crazy. It's when him he's like realizing that his dad is truly a terrible human being and like a terrible person. I feel like it's a very big turning point in him and Jesper's like relationship when Jesper's there for him no matter what. And he's crying in the middle of the road. And I was like, oh my God, this is so sad. It was just, oh, it was a just lot like of heartbreaking. <laughs> I did have a lot of, but- Crooked Kingdom was, was really just... heart-wrenching. That was, that whole book was so emotional. Yeah. And then- I don't know. I would probably say when Nez got stabbed the first time, they're on the boat and Nina's like saved her and she like wakes up and Nina's like, oh my God, you're alive. I didn't kill you. I love their friendship is just so wholesome. And just, I loved it so much. It was a, it was a very good scene of kind of depicting that they were good friends and it was so, it was just so sweet. So I really, really, really liked that scene. I would say the scene, and I'm not a Kaz stan, I would say the scene where Kaz beats the crap out of those guys. Yes, that was so good. 
I am so excited to see that. Like once that comes around in the show to see how they do that, because yeah. it's going to be just a badass scene and seeing that from like Inej's point of view, yeah. like not cat. I like that they did it from Inej's point of view and not Kaz's point of view, because it would be like you seeing it, like you yeah. seeing everything go down and not what was going on in Kaz's mind or whatever. I really like that. It was from the point of view of Inej. I like the tank scene go. when they're coming when they're coming through the town and there's like all the tanks. Yeah, like that one was like really wild. funny. I just imagine these seven miscreant children on a tank driving <laughs> a banner behind them. That's it's just such a chaotic scene. There were so many moments where I found myself just laughing, and it was always either Nina or Jesper that yeah. I was laughing at. So there were a lot of like yellow, happy laughing tabs. I ran out of yellow tabs between both of those. Yeah, I really, I really liked those. And then oh, I got to think about the last one. You throw it on yours. Oh gosh, I think for me, my top five. The first one, definitely the very first scene where Anej is creeping on the roof, and you kind of see the full brunt of Kaz and how how much of a puppeteer he is, and how he knows you know, the people that trust him are going to be there for him. And Inej is there and like unarms him and he kills the other or shoots the other guy. So I really liked that first scene. I thought that was like so dynamic. It was such a good opening. It was so like, oh man, this is good. That's how I felt. I think the next scene that I really liked was when you find out that Jesper is a Grisha. That whole part where they're breaking out of the prison. I think that one was so fun. And it was like Kaz again, playing that like puppeteer, knowing that you know, Jasper was gonna be able to do that. And Wyland finally finding out like something so interesting about him and then him going and creating this like drill out of a diamond. It was so funny to see like how quirky they all were and then being like, these are actually all of our strengths. And I thought that really brought them all together. And the scene when then, when they have to pretend that they're part of the menagerie or whatever, Nina and Inej, I thought that one was really fun where you kind of saw her go back into the person that she was and then have to confront, I don't know her name. I can't remember her name, whatever the madam is, confront the madam. And then she steals her diamonds. Like that was so good. And that was like the ultimate revenge. I liked the scene in the bathroom. That was steamy. It was good stuff. I think that was so like emotional. And it was like, oh, you like want it to go so differently than it did. It was very uh, emotionally charged. Everything was just wound so tight when I was reading that. Like, you wanted something to happen. happen. Nothing happened, but you wanted something <gasps> to happen. I think at the end-ish, when Inej gets attacked and she's on the tightrope, I thought that was so fun. And I, I liked that she was so philosophical throughout the whole thing and had all these philosophies and theories about how to live her life. And she said that that was like the light to her darkness, essentially, and that that girl was either meant to kill her or she was going to be killed. And I really liked her in that scene. And I thought that, that her internal monologue for that was so good. Those were probably my favorite. Yeah, I, I liked that. That was a good scene too. I, <laughs> I found my other one. The other one that I really liked was when Nina and Matthias were going to Little Ravka and they were going to meet the Grisha and like mm-hmm. do all that fun stuff. Oh yeah. And how one. she's just like distracting him the whole time. And she, she's like talking about, she's like, why are you looking at me like that? It's like, stop looking at me like that. He's like, what? She's like, like, I'm made of ice cream. He goes, I don't care for ice cream. Zayas, Nia said, I'm not sure we can continue to spend time together. I was like, I feel that. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. That was such a funny quote. I died. I was like, oh my gosh. That whole entire scene was just so wholesome and cute between them and them coming together over their different cultures and things like that. It was very... um, Yeah, you could really see that she was showing how human they were and he didn't realize that. And that was so fun to kind of yeah. read that the way that they kind of developed that part mm-hmm. is how he could be like wow these aren't just like a bunch of winches who are you know brewing potions and killing people they're like real people yeah yeah I liked this it's not like an overdone trope but it is a common I think trope for like enemies to lovers and realizing that maybe your enemy isn't as bad as you like thought it was but yeah. it doesn't feel overplayed it felt so good I liked the way she did it I I liked the way that they progressed from them being in the shipwreck together and her saving his life and then then having to kind of fight through the wilderness together and him resisting that all the way through and then realizing you know like he does love her and then being so pissed because she like threw him in prison I don't know I liked their story I don't know I wish that they would have told her a little bit earlier I was like kind of confused about what happened why he was in prison and how all of that went down and I still was a bit confused for like a minute there when even after she explained it, I was like, I don't understand why you had to like turn him in and then throw him in prison. But I I wish they would have explained that a little bit earlier. I think that would have made their couple dynamic a little bit better. But I think, yeah, their story is just like so heart wrenching, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's like right when they come together and everything's like coming in, he dies. That that quote at the end, though, where he's like, I thought we were all going to survive. That was hard. That That was was brutal. Rough. I like no mourners, no funerals. I think that's such a good quote. There's so many good lines in this one. You know, the no mourners, no funerals. 
I like the scene where they go, what's the easiest way to steal a man's wallet? And then I was just like knife to the throat. Jasper's like gun to the bat. <laughs> and he was like poison in a cup. And Matthias is like, you're all horrible. That was so <laughs> funny. And there's so many good like one-liners in here. And then, he, you know, when Matthias says it's not natural for women to fight. And Nina says it's not natural for someone to be as stupid as you are tall. Yet here you stand. Like, I laugh so just so funny. So funny. There's so many good lines in this book in both the books and I think the story is good there's not too many side characters like there was in the first one I think the heist is such a good book and I like this too because I think this this will be a good one for like guys I think mm-hmm. this is a good duology for like men like I could see men reading this and I think that the show will be successful because there are you know four guys as the main characters and so yeah. I think that the success of the show will be a lot bigger because it's not just a girl's thing because I think girls read a lot more than guys do but I like that it wasn't just a bunch of girls it was a bunch of guys too. And I think the show is going to bring that in and make that better and make the audience bigger. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's going to be so good. I'm so excited to see them come to life. I'm excited to see their outfits and things and just like how they set them up as characters from a costume perspective. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And I, I know the casting for the show has been great, but I feel like there's also one thing that I heard continuously, at least on TikTok, about the casting is the casting of Nina. Nina is supposed to be this curvy, just like loves her food, enjoys life. And I think there was a lot of people who were disappointed in who they casted. It'll be interesting to see how they play that. That's the one thing that I'm a little, I would say a little worried about as far as the casting goes. Not to say that the girl that is casted as her won't do a great job. Granted, I don't know who she is, so I'm not saying anything against her. Uh, I think that would be a great opportunity since this book is so, the series duology is, is very diverse, like you were saying, you know, yeah. they talks about disabilities, they talk about mental disabilities, they talk about addiction, they talk about physical disabilities and, you know, trauma and PTSD and people from different backgrounds. There's non-traditional relationships, curvy woman, you know? So I think there's very interesting dynamics that, and themes that go throughout this duology. And I would be really sad if that wasn't expressed within the show. Yeah. I'm, I like that. It's so diverse as far as, you know, the way that she wrote the books and things like that, and that it, they did do a good job, like true to their character. I have heard the same things about Nina I've heard some interesting comments about that. I hope that they don't skinny wash her either. I, the cast is already done. So I don't think people are going to complain quite as much or have any much, as much to say, but I did like that. They were, they did a good job picking the right people. So I hope that, yeah, I agree. I hope that Nina's thick yeah. and that, you know, she is curvy. The problem with all of this is that they don't have a lot of curvy actors, actresses, you know, all that kind of stuff in Hollywood in general um, or British Hollywood. <laughs> for this Netflix like there's not a lot of curvy actors and actresses so it's kind of I think if they wanted to cast that they would have very limited choices so I think they picked a really good cast and picked someone who was good for the role but maybe not necessarily exactly what she looks like but I feel the same way about Mal that's not what I imagined Mal looking like and same with the Darkling so I think the casting they did a good job so I'm hoping that they she really brings that character to life and does a lot of you know brings a lot of like enthusiasm to the part yeah you can see the change as things have gone on. This is a newer yeah. book. It's not brand new, but it is newer. And there is that diversity in the cast. There is a diversity in, you know, the relationships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of relationships. And then there's all different kinds of cultures. And, you know, there's different countries that are played in here that are, you know, fictionary, fictional countries. But they say that they all look different. And I liked that. And I, and I hope that they, you know, stick with that as they go further on. And I think the book industry itself has changed so much over the last few years as people are tired of reading about skinny white girls, you know, and they even said that they said this about Nina and Bryce and Poppy and a lot of other of these like things, people came out with this fan fiction, like this, or this fan art and the fan art shows these skinny girls and people corrected them and said, listen, in the book, it says she thick, she big girl, like make her big, you know, I think it's good that we're calling each other out. I think that we, if we keep pushing the bar and we keep pushing the standards and saying, and calling people for normalizing what is normal, that you can see it grow. You can see the industry change. And I think I like that. And I, and I like that they did that in this and I, they cast, you know, diverse people and they cast people true to exactly what she wanted them to be. And it's nice when an author is involved and that she wanted those things, you know? And I, yeah, I, I think I, I agree. They did great with diversifying the cast and yeah, it'll just be, that's just something that I'll be interested to see kind of how that plays out. And not only just within this one, but throughout the rest of the series and how that plays out with 
I think it was one of those things when you read through Shadow and Bone, like you think of Grisha as like these celebrity like characters, these, you know, famous people or whatever. I think now when we think of like celebrities, we think of women or even men or just like the big, strong, you know, tall, dark and handsome. And the women are, you know, skinny and flawless skin and beautiful hair. And um, I think that's maybe how I, me personally, I mean, that's how I had pictured it. I think when she talked about about other Grisha that were there within Ketterdam and it's like, Mm -hmm. she talked more about the diversity within Grisha in this series or in this duology than she did within Shadow and Bone. She maybe learned from Shadow and Bone and just kind of built, like I said, she's grown as a writer. I mean, you can tell throughout between the trilogy and this duology, she's, I mean, she really came into her own and just did great. I mean, I, yeah. I thought she did wonderful with this series and I'm very, or this duology, I'm very excited to read The King of Scars. Oh, I love Nikolai. So, um, he Can't wait a, for that. he's like Crooked Kingdom and I was just like, oh, I miss, I miss Nikolai. And but so, you like, I like that part where Kaz knows it's Nikolai, you know? And yeah. it's like, oof, yes. I think him and Nikolai are, I would say like yin and yang, like Nikolai's a good version yep. of Kaz. You know, they're mm-hmm. both critical and thinking and always have a plan and that kind of thing and i yeah i would like to see a book with the two of them that would be nice yeah, just be like cool. pps if you're listening to this <laughs> you go. kaz and nikolai please yeah that would be a fantastic novel right. yeah i'm excited to read that one too i i liked how they ended this book i think that they did a good job they she i think she did a good job with the ending of this book i liked when kaz bought her the ships bought and the ships and brought her parents there i was like oh that was so good. That was such a good way to end it. It was so heartwarming. I think she ended it really nicely. It wraps it up in a little bow, but also kind of left it if she wanted to do another book down the line. That would have, is definitely an opportunity as far as the way that all of that kind of went. You know, I feel like she left their stories more open than she did with the Shadow and Bone trilogies. If she, like you said, if she wanted to do stuff down the line, she could. And I think these characters are so dynamic that everyone would be like, yes. Someone said that too. I, I think I remember reading someone wishing that this was a, like a six book series or something, or like she would come out with another duology afterwards. So I don't know. I hope she makes another one later down the road. I think there was, the first book is so good. The second book is so like heart wrenching and there's so much emotion in that second one, you but I like all the feelings. Yeah. Feel all the feelings. And it like answers so many questions. You know, in the first one, I feel like we got their backstory. It took a really long time. I think that this sort of explained, you know, why they were the way that they were in the second one. And you kind of got the answers to all your questions in the first one. And it was, it was good. It was so good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. What are your kind of theories for how they're going to include the crows within the show? We kind of talked about this a little bit, but my theory for the show is that I think that they're going to be hunting Elena instead. The part where he says 1 million Kruga is way less than what she says in the book. So I was a bit confused about that, but I have a theory that it's going to be them hunting Elena instead so that, you know, the quote unquote merchant council of Ketterdam has access to her instead of the Darkling. And then I think as they get later on in the seasons and they progress further and they sort of end the shadow and bone story that it will turn into the true story of the six of crows what about you so uh, we kind of talked about this earlier but i have this little theory that it's actually not going to be all six of them so i have a theory that really it's going to follow only five of them so i think it's going to follow kaz jesper and anej and they're going to be the three that go after alina whereas i think Nina and Matthias aren't going to be in the story yet. I think it's going to talk about their backstory and how like with the shipwreck and how they were shipwrecked and kind of built that relationship. And then she turns him in and, you know, says he's a slaver or whatever, and he gets thrown in jail. But I think that's going to be that backstory. And I think it's going to feel like through the rest of the series, it's just going to continue to kind of build on kind of those in-between years, you know, Kaz building his reputation and maybe doing other things or whatever within Ketterdam. And I think that's how it's going to go. I Yeah, we just did some research prior. Yeah. Wylan is not casted thus far in the show. So I don't know. I have a feeling that they're going to be hunting Elena and then the show will progress. Fingers crossed is our theory is it'll progress from the first book of Shadow and Bone into Siege and Storm for season two. Season three will be Ruin and Rising. And the crows will just, like you said, kind of fill in their backstory up into what they were doing in the two years prior to the setting of Six of Crows and then season four and five. I've heard a rumor it's going to be six seasons, so I, I have a feeling season four and five will be Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, this actual storyline. And then season six will be King of Scars, perhaps, or some sort of breakdown of that. Uh, yeah, I don't think Kue and Wylan are going to be in it, but according to the inter- internet, 
Bo, his dad, is in one episode, I think. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. But I don't know how they're going to bring that in. Your theory sounds better now that we've like talked this out. Your theory sounds better that it is going to be just the three because that's all we've really seen. And then one picture of Nina and Matthias like in the woods, in the snow, and then a glimpse of him in the prison. But I have a feeling that those are going to be flashbacks. I would love to see them do Kaz's backstory and Inej's backstory. And I mean, Jesper doesn't really have a backstory, but I would like to see those two and her time at the menagerie and how she came to be in there and how she like kind of turned into the wraith. I would love to see them do something with that. I would love to see them do Kaz's backstory. I think it's such a powerful story and it's terrifying and it's horrible. And I think it really shows like who he is as a character. I'm, I'm interested. There's Darkling fans and there's Kaz Brecker fans and they are two different people, but Darkling. like, yeah, yeah. 1, I, don't know, I'm a Kaz fan. I don't like the Darkling. I think <laughs> such a boring character i'm i'm excited to see i think the show's gonna be so good i i can't wait for this book to come to life i can't wait for six of crows to come to life and for crooked kingdom i'm excited for shadow bone i'm excited to see like the dregs and the crows like on screen i can't wait to see what when and if these books become like a real on-screen adaptation yeah i'm just really excited you know reading six of crows and crooked kingdom it just really kirsten's on the train y'all i am <laughs> i am i get it now it was yeah. funny like i said i her uh, writing is so easy to read too you know shadow and bone i breezed through them really quickly i didn't love the storyline quite so much but like i read them in two to three days you know what i mean and not yeah. like committed reading like i just was casually sort of like oh yeah i'm gonna take an hour or two to read this so i think they're really easy to get through and i think six of crows has a little bit more storyline and you have to kind of read it a little bit slower you have to pay more attention i feel yeah like six of crows and I think that her writing style is so good. Like she has, she does such a good job with the wording and the characters and the storyline and all that. But I think it's a really easy read. I think the way that she develops them is really good. But this one, yeah, I definitely felt like I had to pay a lot more attention in this one than I did in Shadow and Bone. But it's still, it's such an easy read to like binge the whole thing. I'm never bored. I'm never feeling like what's going to happen next. I have no idea what's happening next. It pulls you into the story and you, I mean... There are some books where you're reading and you don't actually realize you're reading. You feel like this is what would happen. I mean, I had moments reading Cricket Kingdom and Six of Crows where I was like, oh, I'm reading. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's very visual. Like I can imagine it vividly in my head. And I love it. And I I loved how how she described the ice court and just the visuals that she gave the moments like when Inej is climbing through the incinerator like, yeah <laughs> that, that was so was good like... that was so good <laughs> I feel it I'm like sweating reading it you know what I mean I know, it was and you're good like, that's so oh, true she's she did such a great job. And- it's definitely one of those ones that like book talk, bookstagram made me do it, but it totally deserves the hype. I think sometimes we get a little too hyped up on books that, you know, we've seen a lot of, but none of us have actually read. We've just seen it yeah. and bought it. And this is one of those ones I've seen bought and loved and it was so good. And it's definitely worth the hype. And it is such a good YA fantasy. Her writing yeah. style is amazing. The characters are so good. It's so relatable. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about this one. Yeah, I would say if you are not interested in reading the Shadow and Bone trilogy, probably don't have to read it. I would say you don't have to read it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. You did not want to read the Shadow and Bone trilogy, don't have to. Kirsten and I are here for tears, characters, and food. And Shadow and Bone is a lot of like politics. And I think that's why, like this reminds me a lot of like the Red Queen series. Like that's a lot of politics. I didn't like that series because of that. Um, So I think for us, the the two of us are here for like good romance. A nice enemies to lovers trope, some mention of a delicious dessert and like a good character development. And I think Shadow and Bone is like fantasy and politics and it's nice and it's good, but I agree. I think, I think the world building is good enough. There's enough explanation of a backstory. You have a vague idea that there was some form of a war. It's very Harry Potter-esque in that like, they never explain what happened when Voldemort came to power spoiler alert but like there's enough explanation as they go on that sort of hints at what happened back then so i think if you just wanted to read six of crows and crooked kingdom you could read that and just assume you know what you want with the information that they give you yeah and they still give you kind of the map of ravka they give you the ice court map they give you the ketterdam map and then they also give you kind of the, the she gives you the beginning explanation of what each grisha faction is and then also a crooked kingdom there is an index so you can look up who these people are and i think like even if you hadn't read it there's not that much grisha really there's not a lot of that much of the grisha in 
either of these books that it wouldn't yeah. make sense had you not re- read the other two. Shadow Bone is good. I think it's going to be great to read for the show if you want to see what a comparison is, but you could also watch the show and just read Six of Crows. We are just huge stands of the Six of Crow duology. I, I liked that I read Shadow and Bone. I think it was good to see the way that she kind of developed as an author and the things that she did and how, you know, she changed over time. I love Nikolai and I like wanted more for him. And I think that's why well, you're going to get more from King of Scars. Like, yeah. In, in all wolves. Yeah. So overall, now that we've talked this for through, <laughs> what is your overall rating of this duology? Oof. I would give the overall duology probably a four. I would give Six of Crows a four out of five, and I would give Crooked Kingdom a four and a half. I don't know what the average is because I'm not good at math, but I would say overall probably a four, 4.25. Let's call it that. I mean, I've said it a thousand times. It's such a good book. It was such a good way for me to end March. This could possibly be why I'm in a reading slump. I, I cannot wait for the show to come out. And I just, I, I honestly loved it. There was a few things that got a bit confusing. I wish there was more explanation of the characters earlier on. And I think that would have made it a five star for me. I just felt like I was waiting for something to happen. And I was waiting for, you know, more information to figure out what was going on. I think that that would have made it five stars for me if I'd gotten backstory on everyone a little bit earlier. But other than that, it's so good. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say Six of Crows, I would give a four. Um, Crooked Kingdom, same four and a half. And yeah, I mean, kind of that average, 4.25. Yeah, and I would agree the, the first one is slow. I do understand she's building that world and building this because this is a new, you know, place. Ketterdam's new and is mentioned probably in Shadow and Bone, but I don't think it was gone into. So there's a lot of things that we kind of had to obviously build. So I understand that part of it, but I felt like there was a lot, maybe too much. Yeah, I wanted to know what happened with Nina and Matthias like way earlier on. I felt like halfway yeah. through the book was a little too late to know that they'd like been in a shipwreck together. Um yeah. And the scene when he has to fight the wolves, I was like, I would have already liked to know that that was like sacred to him. So I think those were the parts yeah. where I was wanting more earlier on, but mm-hmm. it was good. It was so good. It's good pacing. Yeah. The setting is good. I love the ending. I love how they were able to do it and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, but they were able to like work through it. It's just good. This is a good book. I'm glad yeah, you it liked good. it because I feel like Kirsten was very hesitant. Go listen to the end of last week's episode and <laughs> listen to Kirsten's hesitation as I have forced her to read 800 pages in two days. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, in five days uh, time, she had to finish. Almost, actually, almost a thousand pages, I would oh, say. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been really good and I'm I'm really excited to see the show and to see how they bring these characters to life and yeah, so tune in next week for yeah, our, our take about on the, the show. show. <laughs> so if you all um, are not tired of hearing us talk about the Griftiverse. Next week I feel like we'll lead very heavily on Ben Barnes, which I'm not yeah, mad about. Absolutely. So. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Kirsten's gonna talk about Ben Barnes. I'll talk about Freddie. We're it's excited great. for the show. Yeah, after that, <laughs> I think over the next couple weeks. We'll do a few more episodes on the Grishaverse. Then we'll go into From Blood and Ash. That comes out on Wednesday of next week, the 20th, the third one. The Crown of Gilded Bones comes out. So we will be doing a couple episodes on From Blood and Ash and Kingdom of Flesh and Fire, which these are some of my favorite books. I read these at the very, very start of the year. Kirsten has not read them yet. These are some bingey books. I read read From Blood and Ash in a day. Like in one day, I started a Saturday morning and finished at like 11 p.m. and did not put the book down all day long. That'll probably be me. It seems like it's majorly in my wheelhouse and I'm very excited about it. (laughs) I'm ready for you to start them. They're so good. And I I just love them so much. They were, they're such a good read. Like I said, they were the first ones I read this year and I'm like stoked for you to read them and for us to do a review. This has been very PG thus far as a podcast. And I'm sorry, but we will have to get a little PG 13 after reading those books because they are spicy. I'm excited. I'm excited (laughs) for the spice. But yeah, so I guess now that we've talked through that, if we want to go into our obscure book recommendation of the week. Yeah, so every week we try to do some sort of obscure book recommendation, whether it's from an indie author or maybe someone who you've kind of seen on the interwebs or maybe you haven't at all so um books that we have on our shelves books that we've read in the past that we really enjoyed and we think maybe you guys might enjoy and just kind of giving you a taste of some of the things that are on our shelves so Todd, if you want to start with your obscure book recommendation 
Yes. So my obscure book recommendation, he's not an indie author. He's actually pretty well known, I think, but this is a book I haven't seen on the interwebs. And I actually read this several years ago and really liked it. And there's a second one that I have not read yet, but it's by James Rollins. I think he's pretty well known. This one's called The Seventh Plague. Two years after vanishing in the Sudanese desert, a leader of a British archaeological expedition, Professor Harold, stumbles out of the stands, frantic and delirious, but he dies before anyone can get his story. The mystery deepens when his autopsy uncovers that someone has begun to mummify the professor's body while he's still alive. When he remains, uh, when his remains are returned to London for further study, alarming news arrives from Egypt. The medical team performed the man's autopsy of fallen ill to an unknown disease that is quickly spreading through Cairo. Fearing the worst, the colleague professor reaches out to painter Crow, a, the director of Sigma Force. It appears that Professor McCabe has vanished while searching for proof of the 10 plagues of Moses. As the pandemic grows, a disturbing question arises. Are those plagues starting again? I read this a couple of years ago, like I said, and I really like ancient Egypt and like Egypt, Egyptian mythology. So I picked this up and I thought it was really good. And it's not, not in my normal genre. It is fiction, but it's not fantasy. It just follows essentially sort of like a Jack Reacher style type novel. And they are trying to like hunt down the source of this plague. So it's a little biblical. It's a little historical and it's a little fiction and there's a lot of like action-packed adventure so that's my random book recommendation obscure book recommendation of the week i'm running out because next <laughs> the next ones are just going to be like western romance novels as everything else i've read is trendy so sorry Which about that i'm not opposed to that because i have a lot of romance novels like historical romance novels that i have sitting on my shelves <laughs> we're running out it's like week four and Pierce and i are like we've only read four books that everyone else hasn't read <laughs> The struggle is so real, especially because trying to catch up on book homework and read other things. So I just like, um, I can't remember reading anything before November of 2020 when I got a bookstagram. Like prior to that, I, I don't know any, what, I've never read a book. <laughs> Anywho, what is your obscure book recommendation of the so week? So I would say my author is not obscure either. He's Nicholas Evans. He's the, he's the author of The Horse Whisperer, which you have homework to read. But this book is called The Loop. So the synopsis is a pack of wolves makes a sudden savage return to the Rocky Mountain ranching town of Hope, Montana, where a century earlier they were slaughtered by the thousands. Biologist Helen Ross has come to the Hope to hope from the east, fleeing a life in shambles, determined to save the wolves from those who seek to destroy them. But an ancient hatred awaits her in hope, a hatred that will tear a family and ultimately the community apart. And soon Helen is at the center of the storm by loving the wrong man, by defying the wrong man, by daring to lead a town out of the violent darkness of its past. Ooh. Really? I know, it's intense. Like this book is really intense. Like I, all of Nicholas Evans' books, if you've ever read any of these books, are very intense. Some of the things in here are pretty brutal. But it's a great book. I bought it because, again, I love The Horse Whisperer. It's one of my top three. Um, and so I bought this book because I was like, oh, I like Nicholas Evans. Like, I really enjoy The Horse Whisperer, so maybe I'll like this. And I read it, and I was like, oh, it's so good. Like, it's so good, and the story's just so... This book is is older. I mean, it came, it's 1998 is when it came out. So it's an old book. But, Throwback. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's so good. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's intense. I will say that. So um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. Um, so again, that's Nicholas Evans, The Loop. So now that you're done with your Six of Crows, Crooked Kingdom homework, what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? Oh my gosh. So I'm actually reading because I've been, uh, I haven't read any really major romance smutty books in a while. So I'm reading some J.R. Ward paranormal romance books because that's just who I am as a person. So I'm reading that and then I'm going to start from Blood and Ash. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm getting the third book when it comes, it comes out on the 20th. So next week. So I'll have all three. So I'll just if you need me, I'll just be in my room reading from Blood and Ash the whole weekend. So it's fine. So what about you? What are you reading? I am currently reading three books, which <laughs> never happens. So I'm, this is why I'm like sort of in a reading slump. Uh, I am reading Call Down the Hawk, which is like a subset series of The Raven Cycle by Maggie, however you say her last name. And I'm also reading a arc that I got, sort of like a self-help one that's pretty interesting. And then I'm reading The Lost Apothecary, which I got as a book of the month book last month and has been all over the internet. So I decided to finally pick that one up and it's Sarah Penner. Yeah. Penner, I think is how you say your last name. Yeah. So I just started that one um, about halfway through that one. They're all pretty good. Calling Down the Hawk is about Ronan Lynch, who is one of the Raven boys. And it's kind of a continuation of his story, his brother's story, his other brother's story. So there's three of them and it's kind of their story. Another girl who's similar to Ronan in 
his abilities. And then there's another person who's like kind of hunting these people that have Ronan and this other girl, I think her name is Jordan, their abilities. So it's kind of about a subset about that. And then I'm reading, like I said, the self-help book, and then I'm reading the lost apothecary, which is set in two different timelines and it takes place in present day. And then like the 1700s, and it's about a apothecary that distributes poisons to women who are trying to kill men that have wronged them. And it just talks about the main character who owns the apothecary. And then a girl who found a jar of hers from her apothecary in present day, like 200 years in the future. And is trying to hunt down this woman's story and like learn more about her. I'm like halfway through. It's pretty good. I like it. It's cute. I'll have to read it. I have it on my shelf. Yeah. It's her debut (laughs) novel. I've heard mixed reviews about it also, but I liked the cover and it's so far, it's been a pretty interesting and easy read. So I love that. We all love a good easy read. And it's also a little bit outside of my realm. I'm trying to like once a month read something that's not YA fantasy. And thus far I've regretted it, but this one's been pretty okay. (laughs) I just finished the Mexican Gothic and it was, it was a strange book. I don't read Gothic thrillers or like horror books ever. So I think that I just couldn't, I didn't really get into it. So I'm, I think I need to just go right back to YA fantasy. <laughs> I'm so ready for Crown of Gilded Bones to come out. I'm just into it. I'm like, I'm ready to like read something that's like very predictable, that has like some morally great characters in it, a whole bunch of romance. And I have like an idea of what's going to happen. That's what I need. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. It's not mushrooms that attack you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to give any spoilers away about that book, but uh, it's interesting. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. I think like for me, I think I get into this pattern of reading like the same thing over and over again. And a lot of these books are very similar, like morally gray characters, enemies to lovers, friends to lovers. Like we get it, but like, I love that. I'll never stop reading. I'll never be bored of that, you know? And so I think I need to go back into reading that, but I'm like trying to read all these other ones. You recommended a few that I think are going to be really good, but I'm not like in the headspace to read them right now. So I think I need to start with your born of series and dive into that. So excited for you to read those books. I'm excited. I'm ready to start them. I really need to. I'm told myself I would read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue this month also, and it's midway through the month and I haven't even started. So high hopes for that one. Kind of sad. We're going to talk about Shadow and Bone, the show next week mm-hmm. and the week after, kind of depending on how things go. And then we'll do From Blood and Ash, King of the Flesh and Fire, Crown of Gilded Bones. Probably do full episodes on all of those because those are pretty long. Yeah. And then we'll do some bonus episodes in between. We wanted to chat about some summer book recommendations and probably book boyfriends, right? Yay. Yeah. I'm so excited for that episode. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm ready for, I'm not ready for summer, so I'm not ready for that one, but I'm ready for the book boyfriends one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep so, well, those ones might be a little bit spoiler-esque, but we'll kind of go over why they're our favorites and spend 45 minutes swooning over fictional men. Which I mean, every day. So. We're all into that. Well, thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry. This was quite, a, this is quite the episode. I hope you yep. guys liked Six of Crows and Cookie Kingdom as much as we did. And I hope you all are just as excited about the show. If you guys are not following us, we have both a TikTok and an Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast for both of them. So go follow us on there and watch Kirsten and I both make absolute fools of ourselves. <laughs> Me and random cosplays <laughs> and Tatiana doing all the dancing. And then there's like quite a few aesthetic videos. So like if you're into that, we're, we're here yep. for that also. If you guys have any recommendations on books we should review or any ideas for the podcast, DM us on Instagram and let us know. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week when we talk about the show. I'm so excited. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bookish Banter podcast this week. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thank you once again, and we'll see you all next week.